Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. JB, you've decided to join us in the Rugby Dungeon. Yes, I have. What a rare treat. <laughs> I've been away for two podcasts, boys. <laughs> Although I'm sure it feels like an eternity for the listeners. It was Eli Walker and not you that made the cut for the Wales squad. I know, but I am definitely next up after Gav. <laughs> Uh, right, hands in, pod on three. One, two, three, pod. pod. Here we go then with another Egg Chasers Rugby podcast with me, Tim, with JB. Good day. And with Phil. Hi, Tim. Uh, we've got World Cup quarterfinals and we've got the, the the return of the Aviva Premiership to talk about. With all its stars back as well. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, so much to talk about. Um, plenty of stories besides as well. In fact, let's just start with this because the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup and the Rugby World Cup, brilliant as it has been, the quarterfinals are going to be missing a few big names. Yes. For example, Sean O'Brien. Very big name. Sorry, boys. Are you coming to the conclusion that I came to a few years ago that these these laws, these rules, these citing commissions are nothing short of ridiculous? Uh, no, I think that they every single one of the individuals that was cited has an answer, has a case to answer, and and possibly even a suspension to fulfil. But it's really bizarre the 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 numbers that they've come to in terms of the weeks of suspension. They've got legal people in a sporting context and it just simply doesn't work I mean we can't talk about on one hand the spirit of the game and then on the other hand say oh well, well that's actually, you know, it's actually the letter of the law and to prove it we'll get some barristers in and we'll pay them an awful lot of money yeah does it feel like the the bigger nations with the better lawyers are the ones who are getting their players with the smaller suspensions because when you look back at Alessandro Tuolangi just running and getting a five, this five week suspension outrage you know uh, it's, to use let the boys play so early in a podcast <laughs> is not the best way to start it. But it's simply an outrage. I still do not know what he did. And well, what would you do, do to avoid it? How could you avoid doing that? I actually think the punch is the least egregious of all of them. Because, yeah, I get it. Okay, you're at the bottom of a, a rock or your head's in the side of a mall and Sean O'Brien comes and he lamps you and he knocks you out and all the concussion crowd go absolutely mental. Uh, but that didn't happen. He was standing there... And he slapped him. Like, it wasn't I even know. a close. Well, it, I know. What can we get? Can we not get away with anything now? I know. I know. It, is it just a? Po- it's so stupid. Well, yeah. the punch, one week ban, 
I've got yeah. no issue. I've got I'm no, fine with that. I've got no issue. I with have that. an issue with it. It's I've, nothing. It's it's guys, come here, shake hands. I've been looking at all of the. There's four four players who are banned. So you mentioned the the Scotland pair who got three weeks for the tip tackle and driving Jack Lamb onto his head, which I think is fine. I've yeah. got no issue with that at I all. Have, that, this that is the only one I've not seen actually. To be fair, it was reminiscent of the. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll incident from the 2005 exactly Lions. That, exactly One of, do, you, do you hear the background of, uh, of this? And I think it's a, quite a funny the, story. The O'Driscoll or the, uh, the, the... The O'Driscoll one. Okay, go on. So, I mean, they're not necessarily linked, but I still find it funny. So, you know, I've got uh, a, thing, a, a thing about the hacker. I really I really dislike it. Yeah. I think the rules were absolute nonsense and all the rest of it. How can you? How could you watch uh, Tonga New Zealand and how good that was and still dislike the I'm hacker? I'm amazed, right, that there isn't a, a law banning Tonga from responding with their own war dance because every other nation isn't allowed to do anything. I mean, if, it, if I was England, I'd Morris dance uh, because that's the only thing you can do. You've got to stand yeah. with Get your 10 Get out. Yeah, uh, round the post. Anyway, sorry, you were sorry, saying Brian so, O'Driscoll. Uh, the PC Lions, who are ultra PC, they brought <laughs> Alastair Campbell along as a um, public press, relations yeah, officer, press, press secretary, whatever it is. So they weren't sure how to respond to the hacker, which is slit, you know, this one's a slitting the throat one. So decided we'll ask some tribal leaders. And the tribal leaders had a think, and they came back and said, Right, Brian, you've got to throw a leaf in the pick, air. Pick up a bit of grass and throw <laughs> it in the <laughs> air, yeah. So he throws this leaf in the air as an ultimate sign of respect, and two minutes later, two all bucks jump <laughs> on his head and try and end his career. Yeah. Respect. Respect. Go on, but, well, yeah, that one, I, I think a few Scottish people will have an issue, but it was very, very... Dead. Lamb landed on his head with two players weight on top of him. They got three weeks. I've got no issue with that. Uh, Marcelo Bosch... Four, actually, but they're... Oh, four, four but, weeks. But they're contesting it, yeah. Marcelo Bosch uh, has got a couple of weeks as well. For and by the way, tackle. it doesn't matter for Scotland whether it's one week or ten. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, as far as the World Cup goes, it makes no difference. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, Marcelo Bosch, Alessandro Tuolagi. We've gone over it again Ridiculous. before. It yeah. is ludicrous. The Sean O'Brien one. It's one week. I don't actually have an issue no, with it. Fine with that. I, well, I've been th- I've been through the the disciplinary. So, right, no, I, I've okay. been through. I've been through a fifteen page judicial review. Right. <laughs> Why? Why is there 15 pages on this? <laughs> it's, there it's, nothing. I there should be that. no pages. Right. No trees should die for this. <laughs> there is a... Uh... There is only one member of the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast who would who would use the that. JV. JV. <laughs> <laughs> there is only one member of the Egg Chasers podcast whose phone repeatedly goes off episode after episode, and there is only one member of the podcast who would utter a sentence: "I read the fifteen-page judicial judicial review into oh, a rugby." Why is there even a review? Well, okay, let's, let's put this one aside. Let's, let's just hear. Let's hear this nonsense. Yeah. So the, the review was to decide, first of all, whether he was guilty of contravening law 10.4A, which is a player must not strike an opponent with a fist or arm, including the elbow, shoulder, head or knee. So that is the same offence that Alessandro Tuolangi. It, it is. <laughs> yeah. Re, re, again, the yeah. Tuolangi decision is ridiculous. Let's move on. Sean O'Brien's people will put the defence forward. You then you then have a statement from the uh, victim, and then some medical evidence, and then uh, there's like the a victim. summary. A the summary. Victim. The victim. <laughs> <laughs> I've picked out some pertinent points. Yes, please. From go. the review, so Sean O'Brien uh, was described as, despite playing professionally since 2007, having 42 Island caps, two British and Irish Lions caps has an unblemished disciplinary record. He would also describe himself 
as being firm but fair. <laughs> Which I thought was very, very apt for Sean O'Brien. Brilliant. I, th- I thought that was really good. Firm but fair. Right, the incident itself. Well, one of the things that uh, Sean O'Brien's defence contended was that Pascal Pape impeded him, uh, pulled him back prior to the ruck and took him out of the defensive line. So he's found that Pape was found to have impeded him. He was found to have pulled his shirt. And then, obviously, there was the the hit, the strike, which was deemed to have been a punch with a closed fist. <sighs> Pascal Papi and the French team's doctor both described it as a violent punch. Oh, shut up. And that Pascal Papi suffered violent pain. Oh, no. That's the most... Uh, that, that, that's, that's the worst... This is the worst bit of the whole thing, because Pascal Papi is a, is a, what, 20 stone, 6 monster. foot 6... He's a monster. Beast and he's an expert at dishing out pain to other humans. <laughs> yeah. Like, that should be and, on his CV. And, and he can take it as well, but that... Yeah, you, you sometimes hear on this kind of report that um, the, the victim, to, for want of a better word, um, stands up and gives a character reference about the, the person who uh, attacked him. Not in this case. Pascal Papi was very upset about this. He was it very upset a- about losing to it, Ireland. Yeah, it came across. And it th- came across as a little bit bitter. Tell actually, this, does he have issues now communicating with his family, and he's afraid <laughs> to go out? Shopping just isn't the same for Pascal yeah. Papi now. No, there was three points. So one that the punch was an instinctive reaction to being dragged back by Pascal Papi, and Sean O'Brien was just focusing on freeing himself. Two, the injury was insignificant. And three, he put forward that a ban will make him miss the Rugby World Cup quarter-final, which is wholly disproportionate from the level and type of offending, as the impact on the team and country is greater than the offence. The judgment... I feel like I'm going to hit something, you know. Maybe Pascal Pape. (laughs) He said, when considering the argument that missing Rugby World Cup quarter-final is wholly disproportionate, the judicial officer considered the doctrine of universal- universality, which states as a core principle within a sanctioning regime that all games must be treated e- equally. I get that. So if it was a premiership uh, fine with that. rubber dead rubber game or a World Cup semi-final, yeah. it doesn't make any difference. Good. He misses a game. The ban misses a game. There were some mitigating factors. I don't want to hear. Him. I, I don't. No. Want to hear do, do you anymore. know? What, do you know what's disproportionate? But, the amount of time that that, that we've <laughs> spent on the on the podcast talking about I, what what is just as a note. What I, is not rugby? And you've made a really good point here, Tim. I never even thought of this. Like, what on earth were the two Alangi defence doing? I mean, the two Alangi defence should be. I mean, unless he hired a legal team. I don't know. Jared Rebecca, Ali McBeal, <laughs> and, and, and Brian Moore. I, I can't imagine how you could get it so wrong. That your man who just ran into another man gets banned for And I can't imagine Japan went, he need me in the face. They'd go, especially the... the, Honourable Japanese. Yeah, well, if I'd have said that, you'd have just leapt on me (laughs) a small stereotyping. (laughs) Racist! (laughs) Uh, But yeah, exactly. Japan, known for their their honour, they they would have recognised... I'm sure the Japanese player... Uh, would have recognised that it was uh, just in the in in battle, and it, was, it, it just happened. The samurai spirit is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous! Fact, I, I, that's really interesting, Phil. I appreciate uh, like, I, the first ten minutes was interesting. I mean, first ten minutes. You think you, you think that it could be just done and dusted by a bit of common sense and some rugby empathetic people, but it's being done by litigators. Yes, yeah. It does feel like there were, there someone was a, sold him a suite of legal services and like, oh yeah, you, you need this and then they need this and it just, it, it's got to ridiculous proportions now. Yeah. The, the, the judicial officer, like 
the way the report's written, he clearly has uh, legal experience. Yeah. And, and well, the, who else would he get, I guess? The guy arguing Sean O'Brien's case was a solicitor they should as well. Do, oh, they're the winners here. Yeah. They're, they're the <laughs> yes, winners. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, do you know what? They should do their reckoning, their their judgments, surrounded by by fans, angry fans with rocks. And <laughs> if they don't like the result, well, we'll just see. Right. <laughs> That's to be reasonable then. Pascal Pape is going to be absolutely fine. And he is in the France lineup to play in New Zealand in Cardiff, Saturday, 8pm. What a game that is going to be. Nigel Owens is the referee. Ooh. Uh, not Wayne Barnes. Yes, disappointing. By the way, that's a really good, really good World Cup. Wayne Barnes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah, I think really the officiating I, in general Barnes has been quite good. The TMOs has been a bit annoying, but I think the officiating in general has been been th- pretty good. I think the TMO for the first weekend was bad, and since then they have really sped things up. They yeah. obviously listened to the public. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what? I think the TMO. I, I, this isn't a joke either. I think the TMO, all of them are based in, I think Heathrow Airport. Yeah, I think all of the TMOs and stuff are based in Heathrow Airport. They've got like what I can only describe as a drone style container. <laughs> do you know where the, <laughs> the RAF do like their drones in, in containers? Uh, that and it all feeds into a central place and then it all goes back. Mm. I think, or is that the sighting commission? One, one of the two have got a really like high tech. <laughs> I'm going to put it out there for France, New Zealand. I'm going to put it out there that not a single Frenchman would get into the New Zealand starting lineup. Even Wesley Fofana. Yeah, but do you know what? I'd, I'd tell you who would get in. Who? Probably Eddie Benarus. Yeah. You reckon over... over He's a hell over of Wyatt a player. Crockett. Over White Crockett. Uh, White Crockett is a good yeah. player. He, he is definitely second choice. Not over Zealand. Woodcock. I don't no, think he'd have got over Woodcock. But Woodcock's yeah, maybe. Okay, yeah. Possibly Gilhelm Girardo. Possibly. Dane mm. calls his... He's, he's dynamic, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, the more I see him, the more I like him. Looking at the team, that's about it. Yeah, but then that doesn't really affect anything because the whole point of this fixture and the history of this fixture is the the romance of it, is the unpredictability of the French exactly. on, on any given day. The French team wouldn't get into the New Zealand team because they're not New Zealanders. You know, It's like a fighter. <laughs> like, one is a striker, one does grappling and wrestling. They're two completely different propositions. See, we think about 2007 and we think about 1999. But also, I was reading about the Battle of Nantes. Are you, are you familiar with that? Off my head, no. So there was, a, I think it was a three-match series that um, France and New Zealand were playing in 1986. Ah. And they were one all after two games, and then they played a game in Nantes. And Wayne Shelford was the captain of New Zealand, and he said he described it, and he's one of the hardest men ever Yeah, who's played to play rugby, and he described it as the hardest match he's ever played. And... So much so that he actually got um, he got trodden on and his scrotum ripped. Oh, that um, was the one. And he lost four teeth um, in the process, but he didn't want to miss out on any of the action. So he reportedly calmly instructed the all-black team physio to stitch him up and then re-entered the battle. You know, although he was later concussed and forced to leave the field, and to this day has no recollection of the entire match. <laughs> do, you know, do you know the Andy Farrell wow. story? Andy Farrell? Andy Farrell story. When he was playing for Wigan. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, uh, yeah. He has his nose uh, He has his nose broken. And at half-time, doctor looks at his nose and goes, right, I'm going to phone my plastic surgeon, mate. Gets on the phone. I hope this is true. Um, and if it's not, it's a great story. Uh, turns back around after he's put the phone back back up because it's old, you know, old, olden days where they had to hang up phones. And um, as he's turned around... Andy Farrell's now cut a, cut a hole in his nose and goes out and plays. And he's, I think it's the famous one where he's got his head bandaged up and he drops <laughs> yeah. a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, 
Well, I was going to say... Got, like people wear the, the headband is around the ears and their forehead. He just has it around his nose. Yeah. A bit like... Uh, he was the Frenchman. Harry Nordicke. Harry Nordicke. Harry Nordicke had it Didn't England footballer do that? Was it Butcher that had that once? Butcher had it all around his head. Ah, yeah. Like a mummy. Uh, De Moulin in for Bastereau. That's a big call for France. I don't like it at all. Uh, from what I've seen of Bastereau, I think it's absolutely fine. Bastereau has done absolutely nothing. But it's what he can do. I think he's a unique proposition. I absolutely oh. love him. I, I do get he, that. I do get that. But France offered nothing in attack. Yeah, and he, he um, Brian Moore was scathing uh, at the weekend about him. He, yeah. he he said he specifically watched Bastereau for 15 minutes, and he did absolutely nothing. No contribution to attack. No contribution to defence. He said he was it's walking. Jo- jogging, didn't tooth, he? Yeah, I, I jogging and walking, like walking, jogging for most of the 15 minutes that he was specifically watching him. So I, I think it's absolutely fine. He, he has done. There must nothing. be something about Bastro. I mean, this. I mean, when I watch him play, I love to watch him play because he makes a break and he can offload. I mean, for a big lad falling over and offloading, it looks great. You, you love to watch his highlights. Yeah, because yes. his highlights are great. Yeah. But if you watch the the bigger picture, he's not pulling his weight. And I, I, I think it, a lot of weight. I think it would be. It is a lot of weight. I think it would be slightly arrogant of France to think that they can get away with a rear guard action like they got away with in Cardiff eight years ago. It's the chances of having that little territory that little possession making that many tackles and winning a game are are, rem- yeah. are remote well so, you know if you do make that many that so many you, tackles you, you've got a chance yeah no, they, but they need to score points yeah, yeah. so yeah. knowing knowing what you two both know about these two teams what we've seen in this World Cup how do you see it going oh. I don't know whether it's just tabloid tittle tattle but France um there's there's stories about France unrest in the camp no stop it <laughs> <laughs> They've they've been battle hardened from a relatively speaking tough pool and and a big game against Ireland and New Zealand could arguably be undercooked, but I see New Zealand rolling them over. I'm with you 100 percent on that, and I'll tell you what else as well, which has really been bothering me. There's been a lot of chat about oh we've not seen half of New Zealand yet. Oh they're going to have two fly halves. They're going to do this, that, and the other. This isn't the time to play your two fly half formation. In fact, the next three games, if you are lucky enough to play the next three games or not the time to do anything new. I understand if Canterbury had been doing it, but I, I just don't like these these noises. Now, if they don't do it and they just play like the All Blacks, they're probably going to win the whole thing. But if they do try and be a bit clever and you know they're not quite on their game, I wouldn't be overly surprised if France run them close. I still think New Zealand. I, 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 uh, yeah, I just think... God, I hope France. I, I, I'd love it. I'd love New Zealand to choke again, just, but I can't see it. I, I can't see it either. From, from what I've from what I've seen of the two teams, uh, France's weakness has actually been their fitness. We were all talking about their big bench, mm. yeah. But it was the last half an hour against Ireland. Ireland, even with all those injuries, really pulled away. But which of and these France looked looked pretty pretty poor in the, the last half an hour. New Zealand, on the other hand, there's been a lot of people saying they've not been performing well. They've still uh, outscored their opponents massively. You saw France last week offer nothing really mm. against Ireland. Yeah, they, they really did. They had no creativity, no ideas. They, they hardly made a line break. They could, they had some overlaps. They just couldn't finish it off. They were drifting. They weren't passing straight. Basics, but real basics, real basics. And they've brought, but they've brought back in their petty general, haven't they? Morgan Para to kick sticks. Para, yeah. Um, it'll be Para and Spedding probably kicking sticks. <laughs> Spedding from a long way. The point I was going to make about New Zealand, everyone's, like, people have been saying they've not, not looked great. They've not had to look great. No. They've still outscored their opponents by more than 3-1. to one, But it's the manner in which they've done it. 
So in the first half of games, it's been a lot closer. They've only outscored their opponents by two to one. In the second half of games, they've outscored their opponents by more than five points to one. They've just completely blitzed opponents in the second half. And we know what, and what they can do in the last 10 minutes of games. They're never yeah. they're never beaten. Yeah, and with France, uh, with their... Uh, suspect suspect conditioning. fitness. Yeah, conditioning. Um, I, I think this will be tight uh, until half-time yeah. and New Zealand will blow them away. And I just half. think Nigel Owens will officiate it such that New Zealand will have enough ball to win, basically. The curtain raiser for New Zealand against France... Is Wales against South Africa, Twickenham, 4pm. Here is my take on this. Wales have, have got no injury, no injury crisis whatsoever in the pack. We have actually got everyone fit and firing that we can possibly pick from in the whole of the nation of Wales available to play rugby. It's, it, it's quite incredible. Yeah. You know, we're, in, we're in the knockouts and I think we might be the only team in, in this position. That is a first choice Welsh pack if everyone's fit. Yeah. And everyone is fit. Now, not who, who will they go at loose? Who, uh, who have they gone with at loose head? Geffen. Geffen. They went they've for Gethin Jenkins. If there was a front row that I'm not not afraid of, it's a South African one yeah. because they've got a lot of name rec- recognition there, but they're not scrimmaging well. Beast is out of form. They've they've ditched du- Duplessis, and the other Duplessis, he's not a great scrimmager. He's a good scrimmager, but I actually think that bringing in Gethin does you more around the park. And oh yeah, for sure, that Welsh pack is going to work so much harder. You know, we talk about these two young second rowers of South Africa and they will be the best second row pairing in the world in about two, three years' time. But at the moment, Alan Wynne-Jones will run the show and the guy who always gets mentioned every time he plays is Chartres because they work hard. This Welsh pack cannot be bullied. It just can't be. So South Africa have got to outplay us. If they win, they will win by playing through the backs. But I honestly think that this Welsh, Welsh defence and Welsh pack will absolutely destroy South Africa up front. It's a big statement. Where do, where do you sit I- on it, Phil? I don't think they will destroy them up front, but I think they can at least match them and mm. po- possibly get a minor advantage over mm. them up front. The Welsh back row is better balanced than the South Africa back row. It's a mouth-watering little match-up, those two uh, back rows, isn't I it? I think Berger's so so past it. From what I've seen of him, he's just, yeah. he's just not a good he, player anymore. He doesn't look like... He's he's better playing as a flanker than he is as a number eight, and having oh, Vermaelen back... Yeah, huge. But and also Francois Lowe is superb. Francois Lowe is just a Rolls Royce of a player. He's yeah. he's magnificent. He's but superb. So is Sam Warburton, you know. And if you if you were picking a back row, you probably would go Lowe Warburton uh, or Warburton Lowe Vermaelen. Well, yes probably. and no, because yeah. you know I don't think you realise how important Lydia is to to that Welsh team. Because again, they're all so, such hard workers. And I think that's what will be the undoing of South Africa, will be our work rate and our ta- tackle count. Now, this is where we're going to lose it. If we do lose, it will be out wide. I think Tyler Morgan, a good player as he is, is liable to some defensive frailties, doesn't really like to pass. George North do a big game as well, isn't he? One day. <laughs> you know, one day. As is Alex Cuthbert, one day. Yeah. So Cuthbert we'll just is, see. It is the weakness out wide. Yeah, Ain- Having Ainscombe, talented player, very, just not ready for international yeah, yet. Very little experience at this. Whereas you've got the back three of um, South Africa, experience in spades. Maybe not as quick as they once were, Habana and yeah, uh, JP Peterson. But, but those uh, wings don't really bother me so much as the centres do. 
I think the centres are outstanding. The centres are inexperienced. Anyway. Yeah, but do you know what? South Africa are being prepared in the most state-of-the-art rugby facility. They've been using Penny Hill Park. <laughs> I've seen that. I know. Oh, I mean, that's got good omens, right? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> what, what's come out from the South Africa camp is they've been using England's facilities. They've uh, been using the Red Rose embossed dumbbells, which go up to 85 kilograms, the dumbbells. <laughs> so they curl in that, right? And, uh, and apparently it has a row of Smith machines, which I just think is that, that explains England's that's failure gone. at the World Cup. Yeah, it does. What's the point of a Smith machine? Do you just, reckon they just have a squat rack with yeah. a free weights? Do you reckon what? they walked into the England sauna and started making biltong, just hanging at bits <laughs> of meat? Do you know, I saw someone on a Smith machine in the gym uh, today. What do you do? Uh, Push him over. He was uh, he was lying on the floor, like squatting, like sort of pushing the bar up and away from him as he was lying on like the floor. Le- use it like a leg press. Using it like vertical, a leg press. Vertical, vertical leg press. Oh, no. And he was, he was twisting. And I mean, if it had fallen and slipped, he would have uh. ju- rightly done himself some damage and never gone back to the gym again, which is probably... Well, anyway. So a row yeah. of Smith machines, that's the reason England failed, because they didn't... What have... was the one that you saw on the Smith machine? Have you seen it? I've seen lots and lots of things in ah. gyms that and, and, I cannot and, believe. And if you're not familiar with a Smith machine, it's like a squat rack, but it, it goes on runners and yeah. it, it's pointless. It slides up and down. It, it limits your movement. Um, it, I can understand if you're recovering from an injury, perhaps, uh, where you, you might use it, but mm. not, not for me, thanks. No. Uh, anyway. Moving on. Uh, how, where, how do you see this one going then? Very tight. South Africa by three. I'm going very tight, and I think... South Africa will edge it. Wales by five. It's it's mouthwatering that one. I, I do yeah, think I, I said it said it at, at the weekend. This is the best chance Wales have got to go through to the quarterfinals. If they've picked Australia, obviously as they played them last week, or New Zealand, I don't think they would have. I think much they'd chance love at all. one more shot against Australia, and hopefully they might get it. Maybe in the final. Mm. <laughs> it's a long way to go. Uh, before we go on to Sunday's quarterfinals, um, I just thought I'd touch on a couple of stories which have been coming out in the last few days. Um, uh, an unhappy England camp, apparently. Shock horror. Um, <laughs> well, they're not delighted with what they've done. There's, uh, there's, there's a tabloid story where Harlequins hooker Dave Ward is defending uh. the honour of Quinn's teammate in England captain Chris Robshaw. Um, Dave Ward took issue with an article in the, the Daily Mail. I mean, I know what's uh, happened here. Everyone takes issue with articles in the Daily Mail. That's just the Daily Only Mail. Only from your circle of friends, Tim. Uh, but um, Tom Wood was asked if he'd throw his hat into the ring as an England captain and... Dave Ward says that he's undermined Captain Chris Robshaw with his response. Tom Wood's response was effectively to say, well, you know, if if I was offered that honour, I'd have to think about it and I'd probably step up. Instead of, I think Dave Ward's point was, he probably should have just said, well, Chris Robshaw's the captain and that's all there is to say at the moment. Well, I I read the full, the original article. Oh, yeah. 15 pages? Not all 15 pages of it. But Tom Wood did say he was very guarded in his response. Yeah. And he said, I'm not thinking about that. We're, we're, uh, Chris Robshaw's the captain. We're just considering next day and all that. Like, just a very guarded... Next day. Just, Every day as it comes. Well, yeah, oh, just, just the usual kind of standard sportsman response. He then got asked further, hypothetically, if Chris, Chris Robshaw wasn't there and you got right. asked, would you do it? To which he obviously said, well, Captain, my country... And then the Daily Mail... ...would be a great honour. The Daily Mail then ran the, he- ran the headline... That's so unlike the Daily Mail to yeah. just... Now, hi- they ran the headline, Tom stuff. Wood wants to usurp uh, Chris Robshaw so as th- England captain. Dave Ward, though, has clearly only read the headline and not yes. the meat of the article. That's yeah. exactly what That is say. the biggest problem with this. Well, there's yeah. two things in there. One, Dave Ward has either been told by his mate, have you seen what uh, Wood said? Yeah. And he's got mental. Um, or, no, sorry, and the other thing... Which is now just escaped me. Forget it. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Here you go. 
wouldn't if there be a real story if Tom Woods said something like, no, I don't want to captain my country. In fact, I'm not even interested really in playing international rugby. Yeah. It's just something, something that I do for a living. Yeah. You know, of course you want to captain your country. It's like the greatest honour that you can possibly have. Exactly. What is he supposed to say when pushed, do you want to captain your country? And then if he says, oh, no, I'm not interested, then he's clearly a liar. Yeah. And, and then he's a terrible human. Exactly. They're, they're just what... It's clickbait. Stupid clickbait. It is stupid clickbait, and Dave Ward has gone for it. But that Northampton-Quins is going to be an interesting game when that happens, because here's the little tit for tat. Uh, Dave Ward said, with friends like that, who needs enemies? How about the 47 pens you gave away against Wales? Harsh. <laughs> it's harsh, isn't it, for a man that can't hit his line out? <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you a quick story uh, regarding and, uh, and then, Dave and Ward. Then, and then, and further on in the conversation, Dave Ward posted a little clip of him stripping the ball off of Tom Wood and said, lesson number one, how to turn the ball over. Um, <laughs> Give it to Dave Ward to throw in. We <laughs> um, were watching... Um, the cup final, an old cup final, playoff final, and it was Cornish Pirates when he played there. Yes. He's a great player, Dave Ward, on the park. But I said to Phil, look, we'll watch this game, and I will call every time when Dave Ward holds the ball when he will miss his line-out. <laughs> and I actually thought I was some sort of savant, because I like, yeah, miss, miss, and I got about, what do you reckon I got? Well, I got a fair few of them. It's like even better odds than tossing a coin. If you just say miss every time, you're going to get a 7 out of 10. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly right. He, he did. I think that game, he finished with about 26% lineup accuracy. It was un- unbelievably and bad. I can't understand in Quinns. Why aren't they not saying, right, Dave, no more scrummaging and running for you. We're just going to get you to hit your lineups. Because if he could hit his lineups, yeah, I think he'd be in England, in England too. He, he, he could be, yeah. His work around the park is superb. But it is. Useless right. lineups. <laughs> and the other thing, I just want to say, because we're at the quarterfinal <laughs> stage, and I just think it's a shame that those countries we've been talking up for the last couple of weeks about the tier two nations the last month being uh, doing so well, uh, this is the perfect opportunity for them to have top level competition. Why, just like the sevens, can't there be a plate competition, a shield competition, a trophy yeah, competition, no. or whatever? For all the third places, all the fourth places, all the fifth places, two semi finals, and then a final. And you just is you, this is this because you're well, an England fan? Well, no, no, nothing. Well. No, actually, it would be quite humiliating <laughs> be to watch England get beat by Japan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, but the, imagine the, the terror of having it, to play Japan. Would, <laughs> every game's been a sellout. You could you could cut price tickets. Yeah, it, it would be it would be a money generator, and it would. I just think it would know, be that's really actually not a bad idea at all. It'd be development for the the. Uh, smaller players, the smaller nations as well. That's a great idea, actually. Yeah, it's a brilliant idea. A hundred percent behind that. Yeah, yeah. Come in. All right, good. Um, so let's get on to the other two quarterfinals then. On Sunday, one p.m. in Cardiff, Ireland v Argentina. On the face of it, you think Ireland, oh, well, brilliant. We've missed New Zealand, and then they go, oh, we've got Argentina with a depleted team. Yes. Well, you know, the, the the team that wins this World Cup will be the team that can field the best third team. It's so attritional. That I'm actually, you know, you just said that you should have two competitions. I'm wondering if they should change the whole for, the whole format of it or limit player games to thirty because Ireland's a great example of just how attritional it is. The problem Ireland have got is they've lost their leaders. They've lost O'Connell. They've lost O'Mahony. They've lost O'Brien. And Sexton's hanging on by a thread. We'll wait yeah, and see what the yeah, team yeah. is, but he a groin injury for a fly half. He's not. It's like the opposite of Wales. One. We've lost everyone who isn't really a leader. I mean, who? The- who is there really? JD, maybe someone like that. Yeah. But everyone else has got like kind of minor roles. Yeah, you've got your your leaders. But our leaders are fine. Yeah. Ireland are the opposite. With with Ireland, um, sex. The last thing I read, uh, which was a couple of hours ago, said that they expect uh, Sexton and Keith Earls, who's also picked up a knock, they expect them both to train 
tomorrow, so Friday, for the first time this week. So that'd be one day of training after their so injuries. If Sexton plays, are we saying that this is the most unnecessary bout of sp- Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Sports crying that we've ever seen when he came off the field. Because <laughs> you're all sobbing. Uh, it's fine, he's a passionate man. Winking? Um, the, their pack will be very interesting. So the team's, as far as I'm aware, not been announced yet, as Have we record. It's inter- it'll be very interesting to see what they do, because I know what I would do. Donald Ryan into the row and Henderson on the flank. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. Henderson and Chris Henry as your two flankers mm-hmm. would be yeah. slip. Donald Ryan comes into the row. Henry's a beast, isn't he? Uh, and then it would mean that it's Mick McCarthy who's been called up to the squad would go straight. What, the old Sunderland manager? Straight onto the, onto yeah. the bench. Mike, Mike sorry, MacArthur. Mike, Mike <laughs> not Mick McCarthy, Mike McCarthy. Oh, Mike right. MacArthur! <laughs> <laughs> and um, that, that starting pack is still very good. Yeah. Yeah. Henderson has really demonstrated I think this, this Henderson's got to be a future captain, Hendo! right? Hendo! And yeah. they, they dominated France. It is, it is the passing of the baton, isn't it? From It's just not the time or the place that <laughs> they, wanted they, wanted, they wanted the baton to be passed. But there you go. No. They've still got enough in their armoury to, to turn Argentina over, haven't they? But you know, it's going to be don't tight. Know. I d- I've been saying all tournament, Argentina are no mugs at all. They are a really, really class act. The odds, the bookies' odds uh, are... Considerably in Ireland's favour at the moment. They're not mm-hmm. huge, but they're considerably in Ireland's favour. I actually think it's 50-50. It could really go either way. Do you know what I think is going to make a huge difference? Is whichever stadium they play in, they're in, in the Millennium again? Or they're in Twickenham? Uh, that's a good question. I don't actually know. They're in the, well, Principality Stadium it's called now. Okay, Principality Stadium. Um, or Millennium. M- though, millennium. If you don't want to give sponsors any credit. No, 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 no Principality's fine. They, they pay their way. Um... <laughs> If, if they're in the Principality, that atmosphere will be like nothing else that the Argentines have ever play, played against. Yeah. It, re- it will be different league to anything else. So Argentina, they've played a couple of games at Leicester and they've had a great following. Mm. But, that's, but this is the Irish. That's a, a stadium less than half the size. So the Irish following will be huge. It will be like playing a game in Ireland. Yeah. It'll be, be well, amazing. I mean, the, the France Island game was big enough. Yeah. And that was, well, for nothing, that would say if you. Yeah, well, they're, they're, both already, in, yeah but. they're both already through. Uh, by the way, at Rugby Podcast, you can get, get in touch with us on Twitter. And there's lots of people that have been doing that. Uh, Sooty9396 says um, clearly they've started doing band lengths on a Wheel of Fortune style system now, uh, going back to our, the, where this podcast started. Ollie Bayliss said of Boris Johnson tackling. <laughs> I love this. Barging I over a this. Japanese kid. 
Woeful technique, Boris. He's carrying the ball in the wrong hand. He fails to sidestep and he makes no attempt to hand off the kid. Samoan, Samoan sidestep. Would you be interested in having Boris Johnson on the podcast to give some rugby predictions? Oh, <laughs> would, would I? Would I? Now, Boris Johnson, if any other public figure did this, it, oh. would, it would be an outrage. If Jeremy Corbyn did this, I'd, 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 I'd be in a state of outrage <laughs> no. for weeks. Ignore the political side of it. If anyone else did this, but somehow Boris managed to get away with it, his like, lovable it's, buffoonery. It's the most calculated character. It is a comedy character that he's constructed for himself to be able to get away with knocking over school kids <laughs> and get away with it. This, this is his second rugby infringement in uh, public space. His okay. first one was that. No, the rugby first tackle. one was awesome. Rugby tackling in a football match. In a football match, yeah. That, that was brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Uh. There you go, Bojo. Uh, and Grub uh, Grubrap also says that he noticed Will Genya crediting Australia's excellence at this Rugby World Cup. So we're going to go into talking about Australia in a second. Mm-hmm. To Michael Jack- Checker creating an amazing culture Ooh, he said the yeah. culture that Czech has created has made them better people and better players do you think that might be a dig at England no I don't think it's a dig I think that's what Will Genya honest, genuinely believes ok hmm. I, I know how much distaste you have for uh, for culture hey, squad, hey, squad culture I am all for culture I'm just not for four years of culture and no rugby <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, Australia, Scotland. Then should we just move on from this one? Because well done, Scotland. You had your moment. You can gloat. Yeah, this is this is the end. This is the end of the I road. I think this, this might be a shuddering end. If I was going to look for a bright spot for Scotland, the one game they did lose heavily was South Africa, but they lost it without Finn Russell. And Finn Russell being back is huge. He can control a game. He seems to make a huge difference to that uh, Scotland team. And do you know what? They're pretty good out wide. I mean, not the Australians, oh, yeah. but that's probably where their good. strength they're, is. They're very good out wide. Yeah. They're, they're back three and uh, Bennett at 13 and Finn Russell. They're, they're all elusive runners, dangerous runners. I, mean, I, think, I think maybe we should give them a little bit more, more credit because, you know, as a team, they are in the quarterfinals and they're such a vast improvement over the dreary, awful product that Scotland have put out for the last three, four years. And Vern Coss is a damn good coach. Mm. Yes. Vern? Vern. Vern. Vern Fern Cotton. I, th- yeah. I think they've done. I think they've done well to get to the quarterfinals. I think they'll give a good account of themselves, but I think I think they'll come up comfortably short. I expect Australia to win by twelve. Yeah, at least ten points. Yeah. To, to Australia, possibly more as well. If if they get the opportunity to open up, it it will be quite comfortable for them. Yeah, anything else starting this this weekend? Premiership's back. <laughs> I'm re- I'm genuinely really excited. I love about the this. Premiership so much. Yeah. Do you think that all the England boys will get a game this weekend or? A few have been named in the squads. From from the squads I've seen, a few haven't. The Hask isn't back for Wasps, for example. Absolute bounce flying around. <laughs> Lads. Lads. <laughs> um, but Kieran Brooks is starting for Northampton. Excellent. For the first time. Didn't really play, did he? He hasn't well, played, he hasn't played I mean, for six weeks. Well, he was on the bench every really? game. Yeah, he's on the bench. I don't really, really know game. where I stand on do they play on, do they not? I mean, ultimately, the most games they could have had is four, but I don't think anyone played four games except for Robshaw. And yeah. You know, it's, so what? It's a very, very different premiership this year because it's condensed, isn't it? I mean, I know there's no LV Cup, but the senior players never played in the LV Cup, so it's going to be a really attritional premiership exactly. season. And they've not had any time off over the summer. I mean, that's it's not really the games; it's all the training and all the hard work. And you know, well, the players in the international squads won't have had it. That is not rest the the camps, yeah. but the the normal premiership players will have had. The way I've yeah. s- I've seen a lot of them doing, they've been having like a three week 
block a week's rest, a three-week block a week's rest. So the rest of the the league should be refreshed. I've seen a few Sale Sharks players by virtue of the fact that I was in the I was hosting the Rugby World Cup fan zone and it was in Manchester, so they you know brought some players down on each day mm-hmm. uh, to have a little bit of a chat. And some of those guys are looking in. Ross Harrison is looking in unbelievable shape. The loose head prop who was in the he, he made it into the the wider EPS. It was like the sixty man training squad. Just to get when they were getting Josh Beaumont and tell you what, well, a few other youngsters around the England squad, he was looking in seriously good shape. I tell you what, where lean um, England finally appoints Steve Diamond as forwards coach, you might become a, a, a full a full time international. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's early do- early days for him yet, but yeah. but, but just uh, just purely on the on Did the you... shape of him, you can tell he's had a long time, and a lot of uh, Premiership coaches are saying that these guys are the fittest they've ever been because they've had time to yeah. properly rest. Well, it yeah. kind of goes on to what I was saying earlier about the format of the World Cup. I didn't really touch on it, but you know, if you think about how many ga- how attritional the World Cup is, then they jump straight into Premiership, which is hard work, or the top top 14. I think there should be some sort of law now or some sort of rule saying players can play a maximum of 28 games. Maximum. And it starts with, I don't know how you do it. The, the well, only they, way to they do it... They have kind of laws... Like, like they do, that. but it's much, much higher. Yeah, it's significantly it's higher. So much, I mean, the only way you can do it is a global season, though. Yes, you're right. World rugby make our plate and trophy and shield competitions for the World Cup to get the tier two nations getting more competitive games and generating more money that can be pumped back into that. And let's have a global season. So Agreed. we can, we can control the workload e- of players. Easier said than done. Oh, yeah. it, it is so important. It, it really is. Yeah. Uh, just as a little, I'm just looking at the Gloucester lineup for the match, and there, the guys that were involved in the Rugby World Cup are all on the bench. So Ben Morgan, Johnny May, Sione Calamafoni, um, all in in the squad, but on the bench. As a side, right? Do you think if you were a director of rugby, you would play your England stars? Not because they're not your best players; they clearly are. But just the attitude of them might just be a little bit low. They're, you know, they're. I, I just feel they might be there might be a bit of negativity around the squad, particularly as the quarterfinals are going on. Uh, they're professionals. If they're out on a rugby pitch, they'll want to win. Mm. I, I would like Kieran Brooks. I think you can drop him in. Anyone who's played uh, most of the well, games, I, I would coach. rest him. I mean, say if you're London Irish and you've got a whole new coaching coaching setup. I mean, they haven't actually been hit too much by by by, by, World, by England World Cup stars. In fact, I don't think they've been hit hit at all. But if you've got returning stores from other nations, do you want to throw them straight in with your new line-out calls, your new moves, everything else? Or do you, or do you want to sit them for a few weeks? Interesting decision. I, I would probably have prepared not to have them in because, you, like yeah. you say, you've got a squad who've been training together. Introduce them back in slowly. But on the flip side, you could argue that, I mean, that's why I would probably involve them on the bench because those guys might be demoralised. They've been all the media, scrum and everything. Getting back in front of fans with all their teammates. People that like them. People people that they get on, <laughs> they have you know, long-standing relationships with or just getting them straight back, back on the horse. I just think there's a lot to be said for that. So I expect a lot of international guys to be involved in matchday squads. Whether, yeah. or not, whether, now, whether or not they're in starting lineups, so yeah, I agree with. Do you want to go through the? Do you want to go through some, some of the matchups? Yes, Friday Worcester Northampton at Worcester. I, I don't know why I even asked. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Northampton are, are going to win this comfortably. Quite. I mean, a lot of people criticise the turnover of players at London Welsh. Worcester have had quite a high turnover of players as well. Have they? Yeah. I they, thought they. I thought they, they. They stayed relatively consistent. 
They had a, a few young lads. They brought a few players in, like in the pack. They brought in Donald O'Callaghan and Phil Dowson. Oh yeah, Dowson. Now that's a that's a smart signing. Well, you say that, but they did exactly the same with Jonathan Thomas a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, but he turned into club captain. Oh, hang on, is Dowson club captain? Uh, yes, because they're not dissimilar players. No, in any they're, any stretch. Yeah, utility. But w- Worcester rows. have got some seriously good young players. That I, I I saw in a it was a preseason game a couple of years ago, and I was like, there was this relatively speaking quite a small prop. He had ridiculously massive quads, <laughs> but he's called Rapava Ruskin, and he dominated Bristol. Is he still the, playing? He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's still a playing. Weird looking fella, isn't young, he? Young, like really, really. He's got like a, he seems to have quite a small upper body, yeah, yeah. enormous he's, legs, yeah. and he's disproportionate legs. Dominated uh, Bristol l- last year. I suppose they've lost Creevy. I suppose. Yeah, yeah that's, okay. that's that's a that's a loss. I really don't know where Worcester are at, but it's a good time to play a team like Northampton. It is. It is Northampton. Is, I think they'll still be strong enough. They've got quite a few players who are in and around like fringe England players, like Alex Waller, like Dylan Hartley, like Kieran Brooks, Callum like Michael. Bock. Michael Patterson, uh, Jamie Gibson, Sam Dickinson, Lee, D- Lee Dixon, yeah, Stephen Myler, Big Luth, Ben Foden. Yeah. All those players are yeah. in and around the England squad. Did you say Callum Clark? I said Callum Clark. Callum Clark isn't starting, actually. Jamie Gibson is, is he? Yeah, Jamie Gibson and Jonathan Fisher. We've got Sam Dickinson, still a quality player. Now, I'll tell you someone to watch in this game. Please. The reserve tight head. A chap called Paul, Paul, Hill. Paul Hill, who's come from Leeds, who's an England under twenties, who is apparently destined for big things. Uh. And Tama- they've got that Tamana Harrison, who's a highly rated open side and a proper fetcher. Mm. Yeah, but this is interesting, isn't it? Right, because as it stands, you'd say Northampton's first team flankers or first choice flankers are two of three: Gibson, Wood, and Clark. Clark, and that's weird, isn't it? Because have we not just discussed how? Every team needs a fetcher now. And no, team... we haven't. We haven't discussed that. The Premiership. Very few teams have out and out sevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's weird though. England. There, there yeah. are very few out and out sevens. Why do you suppose that this is? I think it's because the weather, the the, the focus on just pure physicality and brute yeah. force. That's and what I think. It is. Si- size, size, rather strength, than, yeah. rather than skills. And there's not many Sam Orbisons who are six foot and fetchers. You, you look at the best fetchers in the world, and they're under six foot. Brousseau or yeah, yeah, exactly. There's loads of yeah, Brousseau, Hoops, Pocock, uh, George Smith going back, Neil back back in the day. Hmm. The other one to watch in the the Northampton game will be JJ Hanrahan. Oh, from Munster. Oh, the yeah, Mun- yeah, the Munster ten. Your man from Munster, yeah. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how they utilise him and Myler because he's a very talented individual. They've got a hell of a team. Northampton Saints will uh, yeah. win that one. I'm a little bit upset about one of the fixtures this weekend. Go on. Bath Exeter. Why? It's too good a fixture to have early doors <laughs> like without the players' back. No, it's starting with a bang. Let's deal with Fridays first. Uh, okay. Har- Harlequins Wasps. Wasps. I, I, I wasps. think I think you're going to see a resurgence from Harlequins. I don't. After not against last Wasps, year. you're not. Well, well, wasps have got... I mean, they're going to go to war probably with George, uh, with George Smith. Yes. Probably with Jimmy Gopeth. Yes, um, both of those got, two are they've starting. They've got a lightning fast back three, and what are they going to start with? Let me guess, Nathan Hughes, maybe Nathan Hughes at eight, Joseph, uh, Adam Jones, and James Horwell in the front five for Quinns, and that's going to change their front five, which I'm was not. a big area of weakness for yeah, them. Yeah, it is, it is, but they're not wasps. Wasps are going to yeah. absolutely batter them. And I'm, I'm looking across the line of this uh, Harlequins team, particularly given that the likes of Care and Brown and Easter 
and Marler, because the, those boys aren't playing, it doesn't look the strongest Harlequin side. Yeah, and also, like, if you think about the Wasps, Wasps starting second row, they went with Gaskell. He's he's probably still um, still starting. Gaskell and Cannon in the second mm. row. But yeah, regardless, I think this is going to be this is going to be severe and one one way traffic. I would also back Wasps away from home. That Quinn's squad is very different with all its England stars with uh, compared to without them. I think it'll be close. I'll go for Quinn's at home by six. Uh, what, what's the other Friday night game? There's one more, isn't there, on Friday? Newcastle Gloucester. That's still one. Yeah, we, uh, whoever. Not 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 really bothered. <laughs> <laughs> the one interesting selection, well, a couple of interesting selections in the Newcastle. Todd Clever slots in at eight. Oh, what? Todd Clever, the, the international USA centre in twelve. No, the international USA number eight <laughs> slots in at number eight. Todd Clever. Todd Clever. Todd Clever's a twelve, mate. No, he's not. Todd Clever's a twelve. You're you're talking about Todd Clever, USA international Todd Clever, right. international back row Todd Clever. Stop there. Todd Clever has got longer. It looks a bit like uh, is it Test from WWE? It's right. Todd Clever, the flanker playing eight, is ridiculous. <laughs> He should be on the flank where where he belongs. I, mean, I, I don't know what I've gone through my whole adult life. Todd Clever plays twelve. Maybe he doesn't do enough tight work. It'll be interesting to see how if Newcastle can can push on because they've got they've got they've got they had a really good attack last year and yeah and their good attack was partly based around Sonotti Sonotti who was exceptional but also based around Tom Catterick. Who was, I like this guy. Well, he was he was originally a wing who they converted to a fly half. Mike Delaney has come in from Claremont, and Mike Delaney is playing ten, and Tom Catterick has gone back to the wing, which is very interesting. And they've got that lad Simon Hammersley at fullback who looks like a, uh, he looks like a school, looks like, looks like school prefect, <laughs> but just he's who's good, just got onto the pitch. Good runner. Yeah. So yeah, it will be interesting to see how they get on. Uh, that would be a good match, I'd say Newcastle. Newcastle to win at home I, by yeah. five. I was a bit flippant about Newcastle before, but actually they do play nice rugby now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and Gloucester. Let, let, how, how would Gloucester's season go? We're gonna get very excited about them. They're gonna lose their first five games. No, this is the one, mate. <laughs> this, this is the one. Oh, is this the season they this make is it? The, maybe this one. Oh, it's got to be this season, right? It's got to be one of their seasons. One of their ones is the season they turn it round. Yeah, and no, there's no, a good chance. Well, this, this, this is this how going to go for Gloucester. We're gonna say about them. This is the season. They're going to lose five on the bounce, and then we're going to squeak past. Someone. I don't think this is the no. season. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't think. <laughs> no, no, no. They're going to squeak past someone, and everyone's going to say, "Oh, they're coming together nicely now." Yeah. And then we get let down again. I think mean, they, they might squeeze sixth. They'll probably get seventh or eighth. Um, before so Saturday, Sale Sharks probably the least affected by World Cup call-ups. Yeah, you're right. Going to Saracens heavily affected by World Cup call-ups. I've I just got a funny feeling Sale might do something there. I'm gonna. That's probably gonna come back and haunt me. And it's Saracens t- will absolutely um, hammer him. It's a time of season you want to play Saracens. It is international window. I'd still think Saracens. We've said it before, and you you've said it frequently, Tim. They don't just have these big international players. They select players through the academy system yeah, and through uh, they, they the pay, championship. They, they squeeze value out of the championship. Chris Wiles being a p- brilliant example. Yeah. So they I got him from Nottingham. I think it will be very close because sales pack, they were very good last year, but I do think Saracens will sneak it at home. Yeah, I mean, logic would dictate that they're going to win. I just think this will be quite close. Sale have had all summer the same bunch of lads, no comings and goings, 
yeah. that they've been able to do what Billy Vanapola was saying England should have done a bit more and get get off on a, on on the on the, have a knees up. Oh, they dear. went out in Lisbon for a for a bit of training and a bit of a, a bit of social. Did sail sharks a so. bit of snapchatting. And if there's one man who's got a point to prove, it's Danny Cipriani. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Very very true. Bring it. And then JB's already alluded to what the the kind of stardust game of the weekend really. What a game Bath Exeter is going to be. Exeter who couldn't have got any closer to getting into the playoffs. Bath who couldn't have, have been steadily building and have gone from sixth place to top four to second to losing in the final. Yeah. They've got to go one better now, haven't they? They do. I don't see them going. I mean, I love Bath. Anyone listens to this podcast will know I love Bath. I don't think they will go one better. I think this might be a year of regression for, uh, for Bath. No. I, I don't see it. I see no? him. I see him. Going from strength to strength again. You look at that back line, but the back line particularly, they're all young guys. Yep. And they've got Matawalu in there now, isn't that at nine yeah. as well? But th- those back line, so Ford, Eastman, Joseph, Watson, they've all got another year of experience. How dare you not to say banners? JB's offended you haven't said banners. <laughs> banners. Sippers. <laughs> I was caught um, the other day reading um, on. Um, on my computer t- t- terminal, uh, I think it was like the Sippers thing. You know, when he said Sippers, um, he said like Sippers would pick, uh, w- wouldn't pick any of the Australian guys to get into the um, England side. Yeah. And he's like, what are you saying? Because I, I, I said like Sippers. But then I realised <laughs> like how many different ways there are to say Sippers. <laughs> like Sippers when he tackles, Sippers. Sippers w- w- when he makes a break, Sippers. <laughs> when we just see him and greet him and like. In the streets, Sip, sippers when he's eating a kebab on Dean's Gate in Manchester at two a.m. Sippers, sippers, sippers. Oh, it's like oh, standard sippers. Yeah, there's a lot of range for sippers and yes. banners. Uh, yeah, yeah, almost identical range for the two. Yeah, of them. yeah, really. <laughs> Another tattoo, banners. No banners. Now this this bath game, bath are losing a lot of players. Can, can I just point out this is the uh, Bath Exeter is also the live uh, no, no. game is on it? Saturday it's the live game on Saturday what's happening what's on, happening Tim on, on BT Sport give us, give us your news come on I, be, I believe it, yeah it'll be on BT Sport it'll be the live game and apparently they've the, the people who make the, the, BB, the, the <sighs> BT rugby coverage have made the very very shrewd acquisition of a new reporter Jeremy Paxman um, far, no. far more handsome yeah. wow um, far more intelligent mm. and aggressive question Andrew Marr is it Andrew Moore? No, he's got far better rugby knowledge. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, Fern Cotton. <laughs> yes, they've signed Fern Cotton. Uh, no, I will be at the wreck and delighted and proud to be representing uh, the Egg Chasers. I'll be, I'll be, I will be chatting to the man of the match after the game. Which, well, imagine if it was Sam Burgess. What a story that would be. Um... If Big Sam's back in. At six. Oh, imagine not, not twelve. Oh, this, well, imagine. We imagine. No, we don't know. We don't know the team as we no, record the podcast. But imagine, imagine Mike Ford has the masterstroke of putting Sam Burgess straight in at That's six. That's a massive like thing, like finger up to uh, Lancaster. That it's, yeah, it's just well, that, br- that would be yeah. a soap opera storyline. No, <laughs> Bath at home, but they are losing a lot of players a to international players. Yeah. They might have a lot back. That's the other thing. Uh, they might do. It depends how they want to reintegrate those uh, those England players quickly and aggressively. But even so, even so, right? Even Sean of their front row, 
You go Autorak, one one of the breakthrough young players last year. Yeah. Henry Thomas Henry on Thomas. the tight head. Yeah. Ross Batty. Ross Batty. Oh, oh well, but I mean, it depends. I mean, oh, uh, Atwood and Hoops in the Atwood row. Atwood and Hoops in the yes. row. Yes. Two of England, England's best. Leroy Houston at number eight. Matt, Matt Garvey at Blindside. They've got it. Just shows the depth of this. You know what? They will. They will. I mean, ob- you know, obviously, missing one of the best players on the planet is going to be a blow. But I think Lowe is so important to that pack, particularly when you've got Garvey, particularly when you've got uh, Burgess, because of the work rate. I mean, he has to work so hard to cover Burgess because he's yeah. busy doing other stuff. If there's one team that know about work rate, it's Exeter Chiefs as well. That, yeah. that's just that's just the the hallmark of a Rob Baxter team. Isn't they it? will miss Dean Mum so much this season. He's such a leader. Jeff Barling. No, you don't think he'll do a job? Uh, Jeff Pollen's going to do a magnificent job at being Jeff Pollen. Julian Salvi, top tackler last season. Yeah, he will in, do In the Aviva Premiership. That's, that's a, I think that's a really big signing for them. Yeah. You go Dave Ewers at six, Julian Salvi at seven, and, and two, two, Thomas Tank uh, in the back row. That's a back row built for November, December, January in the Premiership. Yeah, mm. agreed. Agreed. And Exeter, conversely, are hardly losing anyone. I imagine they'll throw Slade straight back in. He's only played one game. Why wouldn't you? Noel, throw him, throw him straight back in. Only played one game. Parl into the matchday squad or into the? I'd probably start them both. I, I, I would. Yeah, no, because because right. again, that, again, that would be. A, I mean, the, the newspapers would in the in the supplement in the sports supplements would love that, wouldn't Especially they? Especially when yeah. Slade goes over through a hat trick. Yeah. yeah, and kicks twenty points. Yeah. Yeah, that, it's going to be. Yeah. Well, Steenson's one of the like. Was he not top kicker, most accurate kicker last year as well? I think he might have been. So He's right up there. Uh, and, and of course, you know, still got the you know Hill will be there. Uh, not Oscar. What's, what's his name? Uh, they've got Dolman. They've got Jess. They're, they're pretty yeah. much full strength, aren't they? Yeah, they'll be nearly mm. full strength. So I, I think Exeter could sneak. Yeah, I've a got very a, impressive away victory. I've there. I've got a funny feeling that they might sneak a win away from home. I just think it's going to be tight. Oh, I can't wait for that one. It's going to yeah. be. Can't wait. Just it's going to be an amazing game, and you should. Uh, every or everyone that listens to the podcast should, of course, be subscribed to BT Sport. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We've done it for years. I will be what about two hundred miles, one hundred and fifty miles away from JB, uh, who will be back up in the northwest. But I will be just meters away from JB's thought double. Austin Healy. No, no. Because <laughs> man's and, a genius. You and him have just been. We have had some interesting similar thoughts, haven't we? Yeah, there's, there's lots of articles that Austin Healy has penned. Uh, obviously, either great minds, great, great minds think alike or fools seldom differ, <laughs> but JB on the podcast and, Aust- and Austin Healy in his articles. Yeah, well, you know, again, he's, he, he's 100% right on Diamond. Uh, Steve Diamond for a next England coach. Yeah, yeah. Next England coach. Uh, <laughs> but my the, my favourite article that he's written is about how the Welsh players should go and play... Uh, a, abroad and not in Wales the man knows his rugby and that's why we come to the same conclusions <laughs> and if you listen to the podcast for any length of time you'll know that JB's banging on about that for ever I think we're done boys it's, I think so it's very late we've all got work in the morning well you two have um, <laughs> cheers Tim thanks mate <laughs> and, uh, and yeah so at Rugby Podcast on Twitter I still haven't set up a general email address sorry about that boys so it's still tim at eggchasers.com if you'd like to email and get in touch, Tim, uh, get in touch with uh, us I thought you'd change it to tim at bigtime.com Tim at eggchasers.com. No, no. Thank no, you. Not big time. <laughs> uh, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Listen on the ACAST app or via iTunes, and we'll see you on the next podcast. One more thing, Tim. Yeah. Uh, right. Just one more thing. It, you, you might quite like this. Um, we know you've been mentioning about the uh, the best World Cup ever, and I think we're all in agreement so far that it, that it is. Uh, someone said on Twitter, um, can you have a look at the average point difference per game 
in this World Cup compared to previous and see if they are getting closer. So obviously I ran the numbers. Um, and I love I love it. You, but I saw that same tweet and just I just ignored it, I to be honest. <laughs> what is this? Because <laughs> I, I, love, I love having Phil as part of the team. Go on. Well, in 2003, the average points difference across all of the pool games, which obviously all we can compare so far, was 36 points with a maximum difference of 142 points, which I think was Australia versus Namibia. Wow. Was that not New Zealand-Japan? No, that was like 95, that one. Um, So 36 was the average in 2003. In 2007, it reduced to 30, with a maximum of 95 as a points difference. 2011, the average reduced again to 28, with a maximum of 87 and 2015, it has further reduced to just 24 points with a maximum of 64, which That's is the, the South- average points difference. The average, average points difference across all of the pool. And when you consider some of the, in inverted commas, minnows that there, yes. that there are. That's- but it's, it is, the trend is in the right direction um, in, in both terms of the maximum and the average. So it demonstrates that it has been a closer World Cup and it demonstrates everything that we've been seeing about the smaller teams improving. Love it. Who do you reckon will be the first team that isn't in the top tier that will Argentina that will bridge the gap and win it? Well, win, well, it. Well, win it. Eventually, I've, it will happen. I think we're, it'll uh, never happen. It will happen. Not in our lifetime. We're at least twenty years off. Yeah. I, I, if it happens, it'll be America. Well, Japan. No. Jap- Japan's resources. America's resources. Yeah, but America don't care about this. Japan have got real momentum. There was 25 million people watching uh, the Japan Samoa game That's in Japan. That's amazing. 25 million people. Yeah, That's more than most of the team, the population of most of the, the nations in it. That Okay, good point. What What, what is Japan's population? Like 70 million? No, 130-something. Like, USA is two or three times that. Uh, USA is about 310, I think, off the top of my head. USA for me. Uh, Japan, Japan. Well, let's find out in 15 years' time. Uh, 20, 20 years' time. Five five more World Cups and then we'll see. <laughs> Someone will probably make a note of it or we'll find this podcast in some sort of internet time capsule. There's no way that we'll be friends in 20 years. Once I'm successful, I'm leaving you losers <laughs> way behind. I'll tell you who could win it if they got their act together. Zimbabwe. Yeah. Yeah, well, get, get Dave Hewers back in. Well, get, do get, you know... There's get four, Brian Majati in. There's four... Zimbabwe-born players playing in this World Cup. Can you name them? Probably. Do you want me to do it now? Yes, please. Uh, uh, what? Oh playing no, well, in actually, this World Cup? Uh, playing in this World Cup. Pocock? Oh, yeah. Big Dave Pocock. Uh, okay. And that's so. not even with Dave Ewers and Brian yeah. Majority. David Denton. Dave Denton. You can have the, the Big Dave back row. Yeah, big yeah. Dave <laughs> Denton, Big Dave Ewers, big, big Dave Pocock. Yeah. Big, no. big Dave Pocock's in an inverted The promise. Beast, of course. The Beast. And there is one more... Hmm... Who is the other one? It's got to be South African, right? It is not. He's not South African. He's not played a massive part in this tournament. But oh, an England ha- player. You have, <laughs> <laughs> you have definitely heard of him, and you've definitely seen him in World Cups before. No. Famously, you saw him in two thousand and eight. Uh, sorry, two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Famously. Hold He's on, got- hold on. Haladine Luscombe. Nguenya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Taku Nguenya oh, is correct. Damn it! Yeah, scoring that unbelievable try against Habana. Right, wrap come, this come up. on, <laughs> M- M- Mugabe. Will you just stand aside for the good of rugby, please? Yes, that Agreed. should do it, Tim. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One man's heartfelt appeal to Robert to dictator Robert Mugabe for the good of rugby. Right? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> That'll work. Uh, right, we'll see you on the next podcast in a bit. Bye-bye. Bye.